2: From
3: KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Michael Krasny. Coming up on Forum, Oakland Mayor Libby Schaaf joins us to talk about the easing of some coronavirus restrictions and the virus's toll on the city's economy.
4: And so while I am excited to go out and get a haircut, uh, I caution everyone that we cannot take this for granted. We have got to double down. We want this to be the last absolute shutdown so that we can get back to our lives as this vaccine is getting out.
3: And we'll also check in with Mayor Schaff on the homelessness crisis, the search for a new police chief, and reopening schools, and she'll take your questions. Oakland Mayor Libby Schaaf, next, right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. As businesses begin to emerge from some of the restrictions of Governor Newsom's most recent lockdown, Oakland's Mayor Libby Schaaf joins us to talk about how the city is faring in the pandemic. Oakland has made deep budget cuts, including to the police department, to offset a $62 million shortfall, and that's as just one month into the new year, the city has seen 14 homicides and a recent spate of carjackings and robberies. Mayor Sheff is with us this hour to talk about housing, homelessness, projections for small businesses, and what the city can do to help its citizens in these hard times. And we want to hear your questions for the mayor. You can give us a call now at our toll-free number. It's 866-733-6786. That number again for your calls, 866-733-6786. And you can also, of course, get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email any questions you may have to forum at kqed.org. And welcome Libby Schaaf. Good to have you with us.
4: Oh, it's so good to be with you, Michael. You are just such an institution, and it's hard to imagine the Bay Area without your voice um, waking us all up uh, in the morning with, with your intelligent conversations
3: Thank you for that. Very Nice of you and much appreciated. I guess uh, the place for us to begin is really to talk about COVID. And I know with the lockdown lifted, things have changed. uh, But I want to just get a picture from you about what it looks like in Oakland, particularly with the ongoing struggle against the variants and especially relevant to hospitalizations.
4: Well, my big fear is that people do not see this as you know, a, a big release from the lockdown, that we have got to go into this with huge caution and appreciate the privilege of being able to return to some activities. But we have seen throughout this pandemic the bouncing back and forth, and that is exhausting people. And the only way that we can make sure that this was the last lockdown is for us to absolutely practice everything that the medical experts have been pounding into us for the last several months. Uh, so that, that is the job we all have to do right now. It's This is all about individual behavior. Now, as the city, we're gonna continue to do our part to really help businesses move commerce into the safer outdoor spaces. And I really wanna commend the city staff. They have been so nimble, they've been so tireless, they've been creative in finding ways to kind of still do our job um, as, as regulators in government, but to really take on a little bit more of an enabler mindset, like we are here to help. Uh, And and that's really what we've been trying to do day in, day out since this all started.
3: How are you helping and what are your projections for small businesses? Uh, I know you're somewhat optimistic, but why? And what is being done specifically?
4: Well, to date, 120 restaurants have taken advantage of what we call our Flex Streets programs. Our staff put up an entirely new online permitting system in just 24 hours that allows these small businesses to get permission to operate on the sidewalks in what used to be parking spaces or parking lots um, and, and to do it remotely without having to come into the city to get you know, a physical permit. Uh, and we're encouraging more and more businesses to, to do just that. We're really rethinking how our roads can really fully benefit society, whether it's our slow streets program where people have enjoyed having a safer space to bike, roller skate, jog, walk, right in their own neighborhoods. Uh, The essential streets program, which really focused on the fact that people need to walk safely to their local markets or healthcare centers, or these flex streets where, where we are reducing through traffic or access to certain streets either all the time or during certain hours so that we can use that public right of way for our small businesses to get back to business and um, really taking advantage of this spectacular weather that we have here. I mean, I'm looking out the window right now, and it's a beautiful, beautiful day in Oakland.
3: Yeah. And just think about what's going on in the east. We have one of the worst snowstorms we've had in a long time, so people should feel indeed fortunate to be here. I think uh, I'd like to ask you, Mayor Schaaf, also about what I mentioned in the introduction. Since uh, the start of 2021, there have been 14 homicides. There have been spikes in robberies and carjackings, and uh, police are saying more drive-bys, especially by kids uh, ages 11 to 16. This all uh, disturbing. And I wonder how much of it has to do perhaps with the pandemic, but also how much of it has to do with the reduction of 42 officers. And uh, so, uh, th- these are officers who were on night patrol on Saturdays. And uh, we've got all these cuts in, in, in police this year, I believe $20 million in cuts in overtime.
4: But let me be clear, we have not cut any officers. Uh, we have brought the overtime, frankly, into what was budgeted to begin with. Um, now, I think it's important for people to understand that working officers on overtime does not actually cost the city more money necessarily. Uh, The cost of benefits for an additional officer are extremely expensive. They actually exceed slightly the cost of an officer's salary. And that's why working people on time and a half is actually not a waste of money. Uh, But it is something where you've got to be concerned about uh, officer safety. Uh, We don't want officers exhausted or overworked. We need them very clear-headed. This this cut was not one that that I enjoyed making. But we have to be mindful of our financial situation, unlike the federal government that can do deficit spending, uh, that that gets to print money and can actually borrow Uh, against itself, city governments and frankly, state governments cannot do that. We've got to have a balanced budget. And just like everyone is being impacted by COVID, um, our our revenues have been decimated. Uh, We rely very heavily on hotel taxes, which, as you can imagine, are just about zero. Uh, We rely on business taxes and sales taxes from commercial activity, which has ground to a halt. So these have been necessary steps. I hope they are temporary. And I hope that we continue to accelerate our work to really uh, invest in other forms of safety that complement policing. Uh, That is the work that I think all cities are doing, although I think Oakland started it long ago, long before this summer of racial reckoning. Uh, but, But that is the work we've got to continue to do.
3: Talking with Mayor Libby Schaff and I do want to talk with you about the budget and the $62 million shortfall. But I'm just wondering how much $20 million in cuts from police this year, including overtime money, uh, has had an effect on, uh, I mean, a lot of that money was used, as I understand it, for uh, violent, against violent crime operations. Uh, that
4: is absolutely not true, Michael. So, in, first of all, the numbers: $15 million. Uh, the other $5 million was uh, cuts to fire service. Uh, so when we say public safety, we're talking about both police and fire. Understood. Now that five that five million actually now has been reduced because of an agreement we reached with with our firefighter union. But that fifteen million actually represented the um, spent overtime spending that was above the budget. Now we we made very strategic reductions. Most of our reductions uh, were to special units, uh, a dedicated motorcycle unit that only looked at at traffic violations, uh, a school police unit, uh, a unit that uh, specifically did mentoring. So these, these were not things that were directed at violent crime. There was a slight reduction to the ceasefire unit, 25 percent But that was in exchange for priority use of citywide resources, our crime reduction teams. And I uh, was assured that that particular adjustment because we were taking away one thing but adding in something else Uh, and there were vacancies in those positions already that it actually should not impact our ability to respond to violent crimes, to gun crimes. And that is the place where we have seen a tragic, tragic increase. I mean, we, we had national headlines last year Uh, As the city that was the miracle city, we had reduced our gun violence by half and had maintained those reductions for five years. And then this year, the wheels fell off. Uh, Just heartbreaking. Because when you look at shootings and homicides together, 2020 saw a 65% increase in that kind of gun violence over 2019. Uh, we know that other cities across the country have seen those same kinds of increases, uh, and, and it, it just has been devastating after we had done so much work to address this very type of crime. Now, other way types too- of crime in Oakland actually went down last year. Property crime, robberies, all of those actually saw significant double-digit uh, decreases. Total crime in Oakland actually decreased last year seventeen percent. Twenty twenty. I'm just wondering if there's a way to link
3: this or connect this in terms of cause and effect to the pandemic. Uh, so many people are so much more desperate, so crime goes up. I mean, it escalates. I think, don't you?
4: Absolutely. I mean, the desperation, the fear, the the stress on people, um, there, there is some intelligence also that um, has linked some of the unemployment fraud to purchasing higher caliber guns. Uh, last year, we took more guns off the streets and, and not just uh, you know, pistols. I mean, these were semi-automatic, uh, really high-caliber weapons uh, that we took off the street last year. That, that was a very disturbing trend that is also linked to the increase in gun violence.
3: We're, we're coming up on a quick break, and I have to ask you uh, about a whole number of things related to crime. One is you're going to be naming a police chief uh, soon. I know you're interviewing the four candidates. Uh, I want to get an update from you on that. But also, what about the uh, reports that 11 or 16-year-olds are being linked to carjackings and burglaries and, again, high, much higher numbers?
4: That is absolutely true. It is so tragic. It is also a reminder to all of us why we have got to get our schools reopened. Uh, schools are places not just of learning, but of care. There are places where teachers who are just some of the most caring people that we are proud to have here in our city see the needs of students that go beyond just their academic needs. Uh, so that, that I, I absolutely link some of the, these uh, increases of juveniles falling into very dangerous, uh, bad behaviors, uh, because we don't have that, that care circling around our children that that our schools provide.
3: Well, there's hope about reopening. John Sasaki says uh, they're installing more filters everywhere, so, and he hopes that they'll be open as soon as possible. We'll continue, of course, to follow that. We'll continue talking to Mayor Libby Schaff who's with us. For the hour, and if you have questions for the mayor, please give us a call now at 866-733-6786. The number again for your calls, 866-733-6786, or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email us, forum at kqed.org. I'm Michael Krasny.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking with Mayor Libby Schaff. and
3: if you have questions for the mayor or want to join us uh, with any questions or comments that you do have, you can do that now by calling us at our toll-free number, 866-733-6786. Again, that's 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email any questions you may have to forum at kqed.org. And we should mention that uh, the police department is still under federal oversight, and the department is claiming a real overhaul of uh, screening and hiring procedures. There's another, uh, I guess what we could call, Mayor Schaaf, scandal brewing about uh, police officers allegedly uh, on social media posting racist and sexist jokes and pro-Trump conspiracy theories, all of that sort of thing, which I'd like to talk about. But first things first here, where are we in terms of a new police chief? Uh, have you, You've got to interview all four of them, don't you?
4: Well, um, I actually did panel interviews last Friday. So I'm moving right along. Um, I'm going to be doing another. A set of interviews tomorrow, just myself and the city administrator, but we had a great panel that spent a good bit of their time last Friday interviewing finalists, uh, including Chief Scott from San Francisco, Dr. Jennifer Eberhardt uh, from Stanford, uh, just an amazing scholar about the role of implicit bias specifically in policing. Uh, if you haven't read her book, Bias, it is a great read, and she is an amazing scholar uh, who's work could not be more relevant than right now. Uh, John Burris and Jim Shannon, the origin- original plaintiff's counsel in the writer's case, uh, were on my interview panel. They've, they've become friends and trusted confidants of mine uh, while I've been the mayor, uh, a community organizer, Emma Paulino, uh, who works particularly with our immigrant communities, uh, served on my panel with me. Anyway, and then of course the city administrator, uh, and then the chief of violence prevention, a very important colleague uh, to the police chief. So it was a wonderful panel, um, We the police commission, really sent me some quality candidates. So I really appreciate the, their role. This is the first time that Oakland has hired a police chief under this new system uh, that the voters approved, so I expect to have um, an announcement probably by the end of this week, uh, a week from today at the latest.
3: Well, it's quite a quite a committee you've put together. Uh, let's see if they can all agree and agree with unanimity on who the next chief will be, with along with your wisdom. Uh, I want to talk with you about homelessness, though, uh, especially in light of all the contentiousness that went on in Oakland over the new approved policy that would prohibit setting up of tents and parks or new homes, uh, near new, near homes, excuse me, or businesses, schools, some churches. Uh, and a lot of people are wondering, where do they go? You've talked about this as a compassionate response, and I imagine you're getting a lot of necessary revenue from higher tax rates on corporations, which I know are in place, but also ways to find uh, homeless programs through AB 71, which is, uh, I think, responsible for about almost close to two and a half billion dollars to avoid permanent homelessness. Plus, you've got your program, your homelessness program uh, in place, and it's done, I think, much better than even was anticipated. So I just want to sort of lay that out and get from you where we are on it now.
4: Uh, well, that is a lot to unpack, Michael. Um, I'll start with the encampments. Um, no one thinks that encampments are healthy or safe uh, for the unsheltered residents, let alone uh, people around them. And so, our our first and uh, priority is always care, care and compassion. Uh, But we are very mindful of the health and safety impacts of these encampments. This new encampment management policy is really trying to lay out how we balance uh, our legal constraints and the needs of all these different stakeholders. And I think it did a very good job. Uh, You said it was controversial. It, It was somewhat controversial with with some members of the public but it did receive in the end a unanimous vote from the city council Uh, now how we implement that policy during covid has become a little more complicated and so you will continue to see conversations about you know what is an adequate offer of shelter which is something that we require before actually shutting down an encampment. Uh, But remember, we always start with offers of care, support. We are trying to get cleaning and sanitation support to as many uh, encampments as we can possibly afford. Uh, But our ultimate solution is to prevent homelessness before it happens and to permanently house people. In housing that they can afford for the rest of their lives. And that's where I'm excited about what we've gotten done over this year. Um, our Keep Oakland Housed uh, demonstration project, uh, something that we launched in partnership with the San Francisco Foundation with very generous support from Crankstart and Kaiser Permanente. Uh, we just announced our, our two year results from this pilot. Uh, we had set a goal over two years that we thought was very ambitious of preventing 1,000 households from becoming homeless. We, in fact, prevented 5,000 households from becoming homeless. And the, the cost efficiency of keeping someone housed is so much greater um, and, and obviously, uh morality-wise, <laughs> before we even talk about dollars and cents, which it is also more efficient. Um, it is a model that I think the whole nation should be paying attention to. Uh, and certainly I am involved in efforts to really try and advance more investment in preventing people from losing their housing or taking people that are most on the verge of becoming homeless, who often are not tenants anymore. They're sleeping in cars, they're staying in motels, they're couch surfing. Um, Our programs have failed often to focus on that particular population. And that is where Keep Oakland Housed has been so successful and really needs to be replicated.
3: I think Keep uh, uh, and- Oakland House has been really uh, a model and can be a model. You got uh, with cash assistance and legal services. You got about 5,000 people now, I think, uh, who have been housed. But again, the numbers are going up with the pandemic, aren't they?
4: They are, and it it, it is heartbreaking to drive around this city and to know that with the COVID response, with with the FEMA reimbursed Hotels and Oakland has had four hotels and that whole home base RV park uh, where we have been able to get our most vulnerable off the streets because of the pandemic to protect them from contracting this disease. Um, We've housed more than 2,000, or I should say sheltered because this is interim housing, more than 2,000 individuals during this pandemic. And yet when you drive through the streets of Oakland, Things look worse. They don't look better.
3: And I want to also ask you, uh, one of our producers, Blanca Torres, uh, was bringing to my attention uh, some new figures on housing production and new housing in Oakland. Uh, it's been a pretty robust pipeline. And uh, I know, in fact, there's been probably an oversupply since the pandemic. you got new units that are probably sitting there uh, but and, and prices are dropping. Uh, has the new housing and your judgment helped overall with Bay Area lack of housing and homelessness throughout the Bay Area?
4: Absolutely. And, and one thing that has kind of infuriated me uh, is that anyone is debating the need for more housing. Uh, in the Bay Area, we've been adding 11 jobs for every one new unit of housing built for the last two decades <laughs> So, you know, when Silicon Valley and San Francisco is booming and creating all these jobs and people are coming from outside our region to take these jobs, when you have a limited supply, that supply goes to the highest bidder. And so this is very simple supply and demand economics. Uh, and it infuriates me that people are still questioning whether we need to build more housing and the, the whole NIMBY versus YIMBY Um, people are not willing to accept that additional housing within their own communities. Uh, To me, that is a continuation of the racist and exclusionary zoning policies uh, whose time really should come to an end.
3: And it's time for us to bring some callers on here. We're talking again with Oakland mayor Libby Schaaf. Let me get Evelyn. as our first caller. Good morning. You're on.
1: Good morning. Good morning, Mayor Schaaf. I really appreciate how difficult your job is. Um, it's just yeah, as an Oaklander, it's I can see the devastation that you're speaking of in the city and I just I wanna acknowledge that. Um I from my perspective, we didn't have adequate policing pre pandemic. Um and police you knew somebody would get robbed and you call and they wouldn't come for twenty four hours or something like that. And now that we're in the pandemic, it seems to have gotten so much worse. So I'm wondering what are you doing to work with our city council and our city council doesn't seem to have much stomach for supporting, um, in more officers, um, to ensure that we have adequate numbers of police in our city. And then, you know, police, people are being held up in their homes. I have a friend who kids came to her door, young people came to her door to your point, um, about we need to reopen our schools. I'm an educator. I couldn't agree with you more about that. However, I go down to pick up some groceries and I see all these young people on Lakeshore, all these people by the lake without wearing any masks and just hanging out and not social distancing. And in other cities, they put officers on bicycles um, to give people masks, to tell people to wear masks, and eventually to ticket people who are refusing to mask and social distance appropriately. And so if we don't have all of those things in place, we're not going to be able to open our schools because we can't have so much COVID and put educators at risk.
3: Right, Evelyn, so I'm, I'm going to jump in here and get, we want a response from Mayor Schaaf. Uh Libby Schaff.
4: Sure. Um, I, I hear two main questions about, we, we didn't have adequate policing pre-pandemic. Uh, I would agree with you, Evelyn. Um, Oakland has the lowest officer per crime staffing of any city in america lowest officer per crime staffing of any city in america that was true when i became the mayor it is still true today um, oakland really has been defunding the police uh, for a long time long before the the movement had a name um, now th- that that is uh i think a fair conversation that we're having as a society um i think it, it is time for us to Focus on investing in other conditions of safety and even response. And I am really excited that Oakland is standing up something called MACRO, which would be a non-police emergency response system with with trained medics and crisis intervention uh, specialists. So that is a very important part of where we are right now, but it has been frustrating. I will, I really do want to emphasize though, that the reductions that we made in overtime uh, were specifically designed to not impact investigations or 911 response. In fact, 911 response might be slightly improved because we have taken officers out of special units and we are putting them into straight shifts for 911 response. So that staffing has actually improved under this new plan. Now, as far as young people not wearing masks, you are absolutely correct. When we do surveys about compliance with these health uh, orders, and these are national surveys, the city isn't doing them, uh, national foundations, young people are the ones who are definitely uh, not, not following our health directives. Um, but I've got to say that in this moment and in this city, I do not think it is appropriate for police to be ticketing young people. There are huge and understandable tensions between communities of color and police. And I think that would just be um, wrong in this moment. So instead... We've really been trying to lift up community-based organization and shout out to Frontline Healers is a new coalition of very grassroots organizations that are really pushing the message about safety, community member to community member, culturally competent person to that particular group. And that is where I think we've got to continue to go I don't think police enforcement of mask wearing is the right approach at this time.
3: Let me thank Evelyn for her call. I want to go right to another caller. That's Craig. Craig, thank you for waiting. You're on the air. Good morning.
2: Uh, good morning. Um, uh, Michael, I just want to thank you for all your service. And um, my godmother, who was a professor with you, Dolores Cunningham, always said, I thought you were a better teacher than a uh, commentator, she thought, but I'll just... Uh, I'll just leave that one.
3: <laughs>
2: I actually honor Dolores'
3: memory. I don't know that I'd agree with her, but it's nice to
2: you bring her up. Yeah. Well, she, absolutely. I, uh, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Mayor Schaap, I'm a recently retired nurse in the San Francisco um, juvenile justice system for 31 years. So I had experience wow. for, uh, uh, challenging kids um, from a uh, log cabin to actually a juvenile hall. And uh, now that I'm I'm focus back in Oakland, I, you know, um, I'm interested in the juvenile justice, uh, what's going on here more, I just, uh, on my radar, and I'm curious how you feel about um, the possibility that San Francisco is pursuing of actually closing their juvenile uh, hall that they have proposed, and could you ever see Oakland actually doing something like that?
4: So unlike San Francisco, um, I don't run the city and the county uh, governments. Um, Often people think I have the same powers as London Breed. I I don't. It is my understanding that the Alameda County Board of Supervisors did vote uh, to to transition to not having a juvenile hall. Uh, I'm not as familiar with it because it's not under my jurisdiction like it is in San Francisco. Uh, But I believe that what we have been doing (laughs) to try and take care of our young people and ensure that they are safe and that uh, they also contribute to a safe society, um, that has not been working. And so I think the more things that we try, the more creative that we get, you know, at, at, at some point, some people have to be removed uh, from society for a time. Um, so I don't think we've gotten to a place where that is um, not the case quite yet. But we have to do more to create conditions of safety. Um, you, you know, I in Oakland, my biggest passion has been starting something called the Oakland Promise and it's not just giving kids scholarships once they've succeeded in high school and you know they've gotten good grades and they've gotten into a college it's literally starting with babies from the moment that they're born really kind of communicating to them their worth their brilliance and the fact that there's a whole society a whole community that is behind their success and their opportunities And uh, so I'm always looking at that type of approach for ensuring safety for our young people. Um, So I I commend San Francisco for for this creativity. I believe Alameda County has done it, too. uh, But I'm sorry I'm not as knowledgeable because it is a separate government here in Oakland.
3: Let me thank Craig for the call. And we are coming up on a break here. But let me get a response from you, Mayor chef to an email from a listener who writes, Oakland has experienced disproportionate and outsized share of homeless encampments, which may or may not contribute also to the staggering amount of garbage in the streets, egregious in areas on East 14th near Vietnamese communities and near Chinatown, where I used to live, and far less so in enclaves like Montclair and Rockridge, where I live now. How is the city addressing this uneven economic enforcement of health and standard of living violations, both for unsheltered residents and surrounding neighborhoods?
4: Well, when COVID started, the CDC put out a order actually asking cities to not move encampments uh, unless they were moving them into housing, permanent housing, uh, because they were worried that it would help accelerate the spread of COVID. And so, you know, if we don't choose where um, unsheltered people decide to stand up their encampments, but we have tremendous limitations about how we can either move them or in the case of a a really uh, hard health and safety issue, close them or resolve them as we say. Uh, So so that has been an issue. We created the cabin community model to really try and address some of these uh, most egregious uh, encampments. It's a model that is based on dignity and choice where we actually find uh, an appropriate lot that is near the very location that that particular unsheltered community has chosen to call home. Uh, we're we're not trying to, to separate these communities or you know send them all to different corners of the city.
3: Forgive me, Mary Chef. We're coming up on a break. We'll be back in sixty seconds. Stay tuned. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking with Oakland Mayor Libby Schaaf. And if you have questions for the mayor, you can give us a call now at 866-733-6786. Again, that number for your calls is 866-733-6786. Or get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. And here Mayor Schaaf is a listener named Zane who writes, we are building a home in Oakland and we had 10 to 12 burglaries, robberies since breaking ground in 2018. We called the police to report the first couple, but when they took three days to arrive to take a report, we got frustrated and have stopped calling, reporting these crimes to the police In the three incidents. We did report the police typically take 30 days to resolve and quotes the incident. And they have only managed to confirm that we were indeed robbed. Maybe this community frustration explains mayor shaft statistics as to the drop in property related crimes. Your thoughts.
4: <laughs> um, I I think the more likely explanation for the reduction in burglaries this year is that everyone's at home. (laughs) We haven't left our our homes. Listen, I really apologize. I am so sorry that you had that frustrating experience. And I know that it is one that many Oaklanders have had. Uh, We do not have adequate police staffing to respond to everything. And as we triage and we try and prioritize we, we do prioritize violent crime. And it is difficult, uh, absent some really good video footage or other types of intelligence. Um, after a burglary has been committed, the actual threat is over. And all that is happening is the report of it. Uh, it is often difficult to find who, the perpetrator. Now, um, it is important that everyone report these crimes because often what happens is down the line, uh, a whole lot of stolen goods are identified and people often can get their items back or those um, thefts can be linked to to your particular incident. So please don't stop reporting them. Uh, And that is also why we're trying to increase non-police resources that can do things like respond for reports that don't really require a gun and a badge in the moment.
3: And a question from another Oakland listener, Anthea, says, why does Oakland have one of the highest tax rates in the country, yet our services are terrible, potholes, homeless trash everywhere, schools with chronic issues? How do you respond to that question, Mayor?"
4: Um, Well, I'm not aware that we have the highest tax rate in the country, but it's true that we pay a lot in taxes because we are a very expensive place to live and that cost of living translates to the cost of of your services. Um, I want to thank Oakland voters for voting for Measure KK. We have abhorrent road conditions, but I hope you've seen that they are getting fixed. Last year, even though it was the pandemic, we actually broke an all-time record for the most miles of roads repaved. Um, so I, I always say that when I, I go out as the mayor in two years, uh, the one thing I hope people will say is she finally fixed the damn potholes. Um, so, you know, it's decades of neglect that got our roads into those conditions. It is going to take some time to get out. But we are making tremendous progress in uh, reversing those trends. Uh, and and I, hope, I hope that this is a year where people remember the value of government. In in times of crisis, it's a reminder that government is the one place that thinks of our common good, where we come together as a people and and think about our collective responsibility to one another. Um, That is what government is here for. And I hope that this crisis has reminded people uh, and and the, the insurrection at the Capitol how precious our American democracy is and how your government workers have been out there exposing themselves to risk, responding to those 911 calls, fixing the roads. Um, this, This has been quite a year, and I am proud, proud to work for government.
3: Well, in government, uh, it's always a little bit tricky to ask about schools reopening, but uh, it's come up again and again. And I wonder what you're doing to get the schools reopened, because obviously you countenance it and they're in favor of it.
4: Well, Michael, um, they are. uh, I I also do want to pay careful attention to the needs of our beloved teachers here in Oakland and in other big cities in California, California. I have joined together with other big city mayors to really ask the governor, because at this point, the state has tremendous influence and resources to play a stronger leadership role. Um, I know that he attempted to do that in the rollout of this reopening plan and resources, but it is not working for our big cities, and that is why we need to call on the governor to adjust that plan to play more of a personal role in helping our labor unions get to a place of comfort about reopening uh, but, but we are tired of seeing the learning loss, the widening of inequities that have always plagued our education system, just getting to be chasms. I do, you know, one ray of sunshine is in Oakland. Our Oakland Undivided campaign has gotten laptops, internet connections, and tech support into the homes of our most vulnerable families, Right now, 97% of Oakland children do have distance learning tools. The national average is 70%. So I thank this generous community for making that happen.
3: Well, here's Peter who wants to know, has the city considered extending the school year so students can catch up on the education and classroom time missed? Would the city and school district work towards providing an extended school year this year at least?
4: I know that that is one of the conversations that the school district is having. Um, I work very closely with our superintendent, and I'm an OUSD parent, so I, I have that perspective as well. I've got some distance learners just on the other side of this door right now, um, but uh, these are decisions that, that your elected school board will be making, uh, but I certainly support it. We've got to um, make up for this year. We'll never get this year back in our children's lives. And we can't afford for the disparities to widen any further.
3: Again, we're talking with Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff. I also wonder if you could address Mayor Schaaf uh, concern, a lot of concern about the theft of the Breonna Taylor statue, but also about the role of social justice in public art. Your thoughts?
4: Oh, you know, that, Michael, I'm the mayor of Oakland because I am born and raised in this city. I've had a lifelong love affair with this city because of its values. And Oakland has always stood for social justice and Oakland has always been a city of artists and culture. And the the vandalism and then theft of that statue was one of the biggest assaults on everything that Oakland stands for because it was an intersection of, of those two parts of, of the DNA of our city. And and it just symbolized this moment of pain and torture uh, that that communities are going through right now. Um, and and just, you know, I'm I'm very mindful in this moment um, of my white privilege. So I can't begin to even imagine how other communities experienced that assault on our quest for, for social justice and for the role of art in honoring the pain and the loss, as well as creating a place for us to express our rage and to begin our healing and our envisioning of a more just future.
3: Well, let me bring another caller on. Thor joins us from Oakland. Thor, you're on the air.
2: Hey, Michael, definitely gonna miss you while you're gone and wish you the best in your, your future. Uh, Mayor Schaff just wanted to echo something that's already been said and as far as I think the property crime going down has been um, undervalued, uh, like one of the emails that came through. I- I've gotten to the point where I don't even report any crimes that happen to property anymore because it's just so frustrating and it feels like nothing's being done. So I just wanted to echo that. And the other thing I wanted to mention is several weeks ago, you guys gave out parking tickets for street sweeping, and while we were on stay-at-home order, And I felt that was pretty unjust. Um, So I just wanted to echo some frustration on that. Uh, Thank you. Thank
3: you for the call, Thor. And uh, I don't know if you have a response to Thor, Mayor Sean.
4: Well, I'm always trying to make Oakland a less irritating city. And I am sorry uh, that you sound pretty irritated and and I I really do apologize to you. I will tell you with the street sweeping tickets, we've been getting lots of passion on both sides. People are also sick of having their streets um, be dirty. And so we did not ticket for months and months and months. We did go back, we did a warning system for several months before we started issuing tickets again so that we can resume the cleaning of our streets. It's particularly important before the rain season, because if we don't pick up debris, um, our storm drains can get clogged. The debris and the pollution actually goes into our waterways and poisons our waters. So there is a big environmental impact of street sweeping, especially before the rainy season.
3: And here is another Oakland caller, Dell joins us. Good morning, Dell. You're on the air.
4: Good morning. Um, My concern is less than 50
1: percent of violent crimes and robberies are solved in Oakland. Number one. And but by the lake, you complain about a barbecue or a party or anything. And you have a dozen police officers. Now, I understand that you're taking care of the rich and the people that are paying tax, you know, high taxes, whatever. But then you have anywhere past East past park. You don't care about. Now, what, what do you say about that? Because police, I've called the police for shootings behind my car. They don't show up till the next morning and ask me, oh, did you see anything? Nobody's going to snitch because there's no protection. Where is the protection for poor people?
4: Mayor I think that that sentiment is one that is felt by so many in this city. And, you know, as we really operationalize our commitment to equity It is recognizing that certain populations, certain parts of the city have been neglected for generations by government. We are trying to make up for that by actually prioritizing resources for those communities. Um, For example, in our repaving plan, uh, we actually are giving more funds, more resources to, for example, Deep East Oakland, a community where uh, a broken axle has, has a much more severe impact so we are committed to make up for those wrongs of the past. Um, I am very, very sorry to hear that um, that that color feels like her government uh, is ignoring poor people. And all I ask is that you continue to share those feelings um, because we are using very tangible methods to make up for it. Um, another our thing,
3: com- I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I, know, go I, right. thought you, I thought I heard a pause there, but I'm underlying a lot of our conversations the role government can play as opposed to the role it's playing or should play. Uh, I'm wondering if you could just speak generally about what government, what you feel government uh, can do or should do for all of its citizens, particularly, I mean, all of its citizens in these hard pandemic times.
4: Well, I mean, I think one of our first roles is to create safety. And there is a very polarized feeling right now about whether police and policing create safety or compromises safety. We have to navigate that split. Um, and, and we are having interesting conversations, particularly from people who live in the most impacted communities with crime and particularly violent crime. Uh, that woman who called, uh, that, that is a great example of the abject frustration that so many in the community have right now, as we have others um, asking us to abolish police. Um, so this, this evolution, um, I can tell you, I think it has really helped when community members are invited to the table themselves to voice their concerns, as well as when we uh, enter into public-private partnerships, because government uh, is is clunky. It doesn't always change quickly. It's not a big risk taker. And I think that's what we need to do more of to accelerate the rate of change and to actually start uh, transforming, uh, not just kind of reforming around the edges, but really transforming the way that we deliver our services and make people feel heard and honored.
3: I have a question from a listener named Andres who says, can the mayor speak on the insidious violence of the OPD during the summer's uprisings? I was at the youth demonstration With teenagers by my side, when OPD threw tear gas into the crowd and shot rubber bullets before the curfew, how are we supposed to trust law enforcement when their continued unchecked violence seems to be the normal we have to live in?
4: Uh, Listen, no one was pleased with that incident. It was just a very, very tragic and unfortunate end to what had been such a beautiful demonstration uh, planned and executed by young Oaklanders. Mayor, Schiff, so I'm sorry, I was
3: just told that there's a cutaway here that we have to go to, if you'll excuse me for just a second. And uh, let's do that. And then. I'll uh, we'll come right back to the mayor. I'm sorry, Mayor, go ahead, please.
4: Um, so that incident is being investigated. I can tell you that the Oakland Police Department does not have rubber bullets. Now, in in big instances, we do call in mutual aid and other departments might have other policies or other tactics. Oakland police do not have rubber bullets, do not use rubber bullets. Um, To have more consistency uh, through state legislation is something that I think would serve our state well. It was disappointing to see a number of police reform bills not get through the legislature last year. I think we all need to redouble our efforts to see more reforms that are imposed uh, across the board in the state of California.
3: And here's John. John, you're on. Good morning. Welcome.
6: Hi. I, I wanted to respond to the mayor's comment that uh, OPD has been defunded for years. In 19, 1997, the OPD budget was $100 million, and now it's about $300 million. And callers have been talking about what uh, is not happening as a result of that spending because you know, in, in the middle of the pandemic, of course, it's not policing that is stopping violence or reducing violence. Um, it's not, you know, police are responding to uh, the kind of property crimes that a previous caller talked about in defense of property owners. And really, instead of investing those funds in policing, we should be investing them in uh, services in the community, in uh, In restorative justice programs that have been cut in schools, in um, other kinds of conflict resolution programs in neighborhood emergency response programs that rely on people in the neighborhoods because we can just see that you said you yourself said that when there 's a crime the police respond they don 't stop it they don 't prevent it they just record it so i I find this as a you know, the reimagining public safety task force has been co-opted by the idea that the police are the answer to violence in the city. And I just think that's wrong.
4: All right. I
3: appreciate your thoughts. And uh, thank you for the call. Mayor Chef. you want to react?
4: Uh, I think a lot of Oaklanders feel the way that that caller felt. Um, My statistic about being the department with uh, the lowest officer per crime staffing in America is just a, a, fact. It is a mathematical fact. Uh, And Oakland has really been investing in growing the other, the non-police parts of safety, like our Department of Violence Prevention. Um, I do challenge, though, I think good policing, and this is what the ceasefire approach has shown, and we've had rigorous external evaluations that have demonstrated that uh, that that the ceasefire approach, which includes investigations and research and very targeted communications, actually has prevented violent crime from happening. So policing can be part of that prevention model when done strategically and with a very, very careful focus.
3: Well, we'll have to leave it there. Good luck with uh, selecting not only a new police chief, but with what you've said has to be about a cut of 30 million with that $62 million shortfall. Uh, May the forces, whatever they are, be with you. And thank you so much for joining <laughs> us this hour. Appreciate it very well, much. Well, thank
4: thank you, Michael. And thanks to everyone who believes in Oakland and sees its amazing beauty.
3: And we are here with you Monday through Friday, 9 to 11, an hour repeat at 10 to 11 in the evening. And of Tim has a second Forum Hour coming up. Stay tuned for that. And can always let us know what you think about what you hear on Forum or would like to hear by emailing forum at kqed.org. And for all of us here at KQED, stay safe. I'm Michael Krasny.